So, I, I hope you're getting my point. The two of them concern their future. They may look similar. So, you want to know which one is faith, which one is carelessness? Call them and say, oh yeah, let us discuss today. I gave both of you, clean this place, make sure this hall is clean, mop the floor, iron the curtains, arrange everything. The man of faith comes by 6 a.m. to start the work because he knows the hall will be needed by 5 p.m. And he has come all the work. This is going to take him at least five hours. So he comes early, allowing two hours for rest and for exigencies. But the careless person, they said the meeting has by five, we started using the hall by five. We will come off 4.15. And then call you and say, there's no light in the hall. When you are coming, bring mop. Bring this one. You can't put anything in your hands and it will work. Such, such are the people that hide behind faith to disguise their irresponsibility. They look alike, but that's how you tell the difference. Young ladies, any man wants to come and marry you, forget whether he has money or doesn't have money. His father can be, you know, can be a politician of today, and the man is leaving office in the next two years. He can get money anywhere. Maybe he won lottery. People win the lottery, you don't know. By the way, if a man wins the lottery, don't marry him. <laughs> Statistics show that he won't live long. Yes, you know America mega millions. If we were to go by statistics, they should have banned that thing. People can win up to 100 million, 200 million dollars. It's been shown that most of them die after a few years. Fact, fact. Lottery has never made anybody rich. Never. Don't bother playing it. If you are here, you are playing bet, Niger, great bet, Niger bet. In Jesus' name, the Lord will punish you between here now and next week. Listen to me, you will not die. You will not die. But it will flog you. That television you bought with lottery, uh, with uh, bet money, a thief will beat you before collecting it in Jesus' name. Amen. Say amen now. Amen. My job is to teach you righteousness. If you go and buy a mobile phone, God will arrange that it will be a stolen one that you will buy and police will catch you. <laughs> Say amen now. If you ever log on to Bet Niger, give me another one. Niger Bet, King's Bet, give me anything that has Bet in it. Bet King, Power Bet. In the name of Jesus, the little you thought you had already, the Lord will take it from you in Jesus' name. None of God's children under the influence of my voice will look to pool or betting to make money. It's a sign of irresponsibility. The Lord will bring koboko and flock sense into your head if you are like that. Listen, some of you are not saying amen because you've already bet. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry now. When it has come to pass, then you know a prophet was standing in front of you. So don't, 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 but you will serve the Lord in righteousness. You will serve the Lord in righteousness. You will serve the Lord in righteousness. Oh, body ever. How am I preaching like this? I think some people came here with betting on their mind. <laughs> we cast out the spirit of betting in Jesus' name. Yeah. If you need money, there are two things you're supposed to do. One, go and pray. Two, be responsible. Don't wake up in the morning and your life has no purpose for a whole day. And it's been like that for two years and you're not worried. Don't wake up. Nobody is remembering you that when they need something. 
Are you getting my point? Let me tell you how you to, for you to know in life you are important. It's not whether they put your poster somewhere and they say it's your bed, they go and put billboard. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, it, it can be a sign of you are going down. Usually when people want to, when, when they want to explode, you know anything that explodes dies out. So once you see posters everywhere of somebody's face, be afraid for him. You see, Christians have prayed, Father God have mercy on him in Jesus' name. So that's not what it means. Let me tell you what it means to be important in life. Periodically, your phone will ring and somebody needs your services. Doesn't have to be something big. It can be that they want to mop this floor. Say, ah, if you call that lady, she will arrange cleaning of it. In one hour, the place will be clean. It can be, ah, tomorrow, they are going for a wedding. They bought their Shelby. Who can make this close between now and tomorrow? They remember you. It can be roof is leaking. I hope you're getting my point. There just has to be something in life that people need you for. Many people will sell this, this, sell this sense of being... You know, if you said, you've, read, you've read this, this joke. That some people should know how important they are in your life. That this Akara woman didn't open to them. You have already bought the bread. Remember that joke? The guy was burnt. The Akara woman is always there. That's his regular breakfast. He buys bread, buys Akara, gets water, sits down and eats. Then he went and bought bread. You know the woman who opened shop that day. See, some people don't know how important they are in your life. Some people abandoned being important in people's lives because somebody wants to give them a morsel of meat. Yeah, the person will make it clear to you, you are not important in my life. I can replace you anytime. You don't want that. So that's just by the way. So those who are warned against betting, go and ask yourself, how can I contribute into people's lives? Just go and ask yourself, how do I contribute into somebody's life? You can't sit down here and be betting every day. Listen, everybody who makes betting a habit always becomes poor. And the chance of becoming poor for you has just increased tenfold because you came here today. Yes. If you didn't come, you will become poor anyway. But you even came, your poverty is more accelerated. Which is good for you because you'll be corrected before you are old. What am I talking about betting? I'm sure you know why. <laughs> Some people are here betting. Betting the way they are destiny. You know, they actually release faith that they will win. They so see that they will win. And that they declare it. In the name of Jesus. Manchester, we scored first goal. <laughs> against us and so. And they will bet, they will borrow money. Because they went to church, somebody preached to them. That if you declare it to be like that. So they borrowed money, bet on that with that money. And started declaring, in the name of Jesus, shop banker. In the name of Jesus, shop banker. And when Satan wants to really punish them, they will win once. When God does it like that, just know you're in trouble. Because last time you bet with 10,000 naira, and you won 185,000. This time around, you know, it's called bait. That when you say wicked being elevated, so that it can fall heavily. <laughs> so it can fall heavy. That's it. It's the word of God. So this time around, you will now go and borrow 500,000. Because they're good. Hoping that you win like 15 million, 35 million. If you're going to price land in GRA, we can, <laughs> you, 
Okay. But let me let you know. Go and bear that money first. You will run away from this town, and they will catch you the one you run to. It's true. Ha, I'm feeling like a prophet this evening. Prophets call people to righteousness. Every, no, on that betting people matter, I'm still on it. Everything you have bought betting money is going. Let me tell you the easiest way to get your peace of mind back. Throw it away by yourself. The anointing of God is upon me. <laughs> Nobody who listens to me will get involved with betting. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, I pray a prayer for your children. I was going to say your, your sons, but I realize that both men and women do this thing. Father, uh, pastors too. Ah, ah, yeah. It's true. Remember the Reverend Father. Okay. There's a prayer I want to pray for all, all, every child of God here. That the spirit of betting is worrying. Father God, I pray this from the bottom of my heart. Make them lose ten times in a row in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the only prayer. Hopefully, hoping that you will learn. There were ten plagues that God used to wake the Egyptian up. Ten losses to wake every child of God that, has not, that will not agree to hear his as for the betting companies, we'll pray about them later. What God we will do with them. This mobile phone was given to you not to ruin your life with useless apps. Oh, ah, more prayer. Today's an anti-betting day. Every phone that has a betting app, in the name of Jesus, by the anointing of God upon me, I give that phone 15 minutes after this meeting is over. To have that app deleted. If that app is not removed from that phone, in the name of Jesus, the phone will die. Amen. And the next one, whether it has app or not, will die. Amen. Now, let me explain what I'm saying. Right now, you have a phone. It has a betting app. 15 minutes after I finish preaching, it's still on it. That phone will die. Unless you don't know it's there. If you know it's there, it will die. Now, you now go and buy another one. Whether you put app on that one or not, as soon as you boot it, it will die within one week. As punishment for leaving betting app on your phone. For mother, you know, I'm not a grace preacher. My own grace helps you to do right. The grace of God has commanded certain things. A walk in righteousness. So if you disobey what I have said, you leave a betting app on your phone. God will collect that phone and kill it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Say amen like you believe it. Amen. And the replacement will die too. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. None of us will be addicted to betting. Amen. Our children will not bet in Jesus' name. Amen. Gambling is not our portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some people are wondering, is pastor, what happen? Maybe you are not betting. Some people, their lives are about to be ruined. God has just sent us to deliver them. How did I get there? Please, who can remind me? I was preaching the word of God before I got into that. <laughs> is it pleasure? Okay, something along that line. <laughs> The Lord is good. Yeah, I remember what I was trying to say. I was explaining something that if you need something from the Lord, just go and pray and live a life of being responsible. So I just, that debating just dropped in my mind because they want to kill this generation for us. Number one advert on every footballing thing you get to now is the betting people. And at least don't blame the young people. They get lured into it. 
Then they tell the story of one person who won, forgetting that 200,000 lost at the same time. Ah, in fact, that's the only thing I did today. I have preached the gospel. The Lord is good. And I have to find a way to get back to what I was saying. Anyway, I know what I'm, I'll just go. So the point we're making is this. Listen, people of God, God has planned every aspect of our lives. He has. You can let, don't let the world, like I say, unbelief. What we are doing is to build our lives on the word of God. Don't let the world teach you things. Don't let them give you the impression that is when you have planned your destiny, that is when God will now bless it. And people keep on making such statements. And I've emphasized to us, long-term plans now we are dealing with. As believers, we are faithful day by day. Every time in your life, make sure you are faithful. We Christians are faithful day by day. Please let me say it again. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What that means is that each season of your life, there is something God said you must do. Make sure you do it properly. Many times when you are young, you say, learn. Your job is just to be learning. Learn properly. Serve and not get paid. Serve properly. I hope you are getting my point. Every season of your life is an assignment. Every season of your life is an assignment. Remember what I say? So, the thoughts God has for your life, they are vast. He has thought of every aspect. And there's a revelation of a lot of them in the scriptures. He said, lack is not your portion. Let me say something about the reprints. Quote something the reprints said. He said, every provision of God is kept in his promises. God has made abundant provision. He never sends people. If I wanted to prove something to his disciples at the time, he said, when you are going out, take nothing. It was not as if there was anything wrong with holding something. But I wanted to prove a point to them. Because next time he sent them out, he said, last time I sent you, did you lack anything? They said nothing. He said, this time around, take something along with you. To let them know that there's a reason why I'm telling you to take something, not because I cannot provide. He told them to go out. He told them, take nothing. Do you know they did not lack anything? They did not lack anything. Mel Tari, if you read this book, The Gentle Breeze of Jesus, and like a mighty wind, two books there. In the gentle breeze, he describes stories. God will send them through spiritual manifestations on missionary journeys. Some of them, he will tell them, take nothing with you. Just what you have on you, go. Then one day they were going, they lost their way. Then somebody fell, broke and uh, injured the foot or something. And they said, what is going on here? So they sat down and prayed. And the Lord revealed to them that one of them packed bandages and plaster and no first aid kit. Say, no wonder we, we lost our way. No, long, no wonder things were not working well. Because they had a direct instruction, supernatural manifest, manifestation. Don't take anything along the way. One of those days, they went out to go and preach somewhere. And when they got there, there had been a famine in the place. And the people, and you know, Indonesian culture, a, a lot like African culture too, is if you have guests, you have to take care of them. So the people that were going to receive them say, sorry. You have to go. Why? Because we don't have anything to take care of you guys while you are here to hold these crusades, the teaching meetings, the preaching meetings. And the people said, no, we have an instruction from the Lord to come and preach. We can't go. They said, we have nothing to take care of you. He said, don't worry about it. We have the instruction from the Lord. We are here to teach the word of God. So they started preaching. Every night they would go back home. Guess what used to happen? Angels would feed them. Literally. Angels would feed them. And don't think it's imaginary. They say what happened that they will get home, they sit down to pray. As they sit down to pray, suddenly all of them will just enter like a trance. 
and food we are paying for that day, we all eat, then they come out of the trance and they are awful. Yes? If I did not believe that story before, one of our sisters here told us a story. You were there that day. Okay, you were not there. You were there. Okay. Anyway, one of our sisters here told the story of one day. She was so hungry. Anyway, actually, her own was fasting matter. Her mother made her fast by force. Little girl. When, when she, suddenly she had a vision. And angels like her size also came into her room and began to give her food to eat. And she ate and she was revived. And she told me that I never told my mother because she would never believe that they are angels. She would think that evil spirits have fought this girl and put her into witchcraft. These are, no, I'm telling you, these are real things. They happen. Please, I'm not explaining something to us. God actually thinks of every aspect of our lives. What I've been trying to teach, I've not been able to get there. I've just been sitting on this. It is not your plans that he's trying to execute. He has thought of every aspect of your life. Listen, there is nothing you can ever think of for yourself that's good and necessary for you that he did not think of ahead. There's none. There's none. Problems you will have in 30 years' time, as of today, he has made the provision. You know, let me tell you something. The way I understand God, though, one of the things about his wisdom that excites me is that, look, maybe he's going to move you to a particular city in about four years' time. Today, he has caused somebody to start building a building where you live in. As of today. And you have no idea that you are going anywhere in four years' time. As of today, he is cost, somebody has bought land now. He's laying foundation. The drawing. He's quarreling with the architect who drew the house. Because the architect put certain features in that he did not want. But which God made him put in because you are coming for years' time. He said, why did they accept the drawing? Because by the time he came back, they are still laying the foundation. He left the money. He trusted the architect so much. Meanwhile, as of today that me and you are talking, you don't know you are going anywhere. I know what I'm telling you. That, that is what I just feel like should preach today. I think the problem, like I was saying, the world has taught us to worry. We make it look like the planning for our life is our, our duty. And then when we are finished planning, we now present to God to sign. Any such plans that he didn't think of will not bless you. I'm telling you the truth. He has even planned your wedding cake. I'm not kidding. Listen. You know what David said? He said the, 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 the sum of the thoughts. He said they are too much. They are too much. Let me tell you, you want to go to the market? Sounds funny, but I have to bring it down to that level. He has kept the shoes that you will buy there. I am not joking. The instruction I have today is to let people, the people of God rest. Worry is our problem. My message for today, I have not gotten there. I don't, I don't, the way I'm looking, I won't even get there. But I must, say, I must preach this one. Worry is our problem. We worry too much. You are in study at university. You're already worrying about whether there's a job out there and there's no job out there. 
and you still have three years to go. Third year, you just started it. You will finish it, do your final year, go for NYC. And you're ready. You know, some people are so wicked, they don't realize it. Or they are so faithless. They're already serving a man. They are doing eye service today because one man happens to know Dangote. So the young boy is in university studying engineering. Say if I can, so he's serving the man today so that the man can give him a job through Dan, in one Dangote company. And the, young, the little rascal is in his study at university. He's already doing eye service. Many people are angry. Do you know why they're angry? The investment of ISAF they did for three years didn't pay. You'll not be able to understand. Why is, why is he just so angry with this man? You won't know he served faithfully. Then finally, the day he asked, please, sir, can you help me? You know, I heard that I'm going to your friend. He said, yes, my friend. Can, can you help me get a job with the refinery? He said, no, my own Dangote is a headsman, no. <laughs> he said, what? Yes, he has like 15,000 cows. They are in Adamawa and um, a few in Enugu, but mostly they are in Katsina State. You want, but you didn't study agricultural animal husbandry now. The man is angry because he heard the man talk down God. You know, that God is a common house. <laughs> so when I preach like this, I'll be laughing at myself. But the truth is that you know, people are doing these things. What the assignment I have today for the people of God that God wants me to deliver to them is simple. Two words. Don't worry. You know one thing I believe? If you have to build a whole university to educate my children, it will be built. Let me tell you something about the vastness of God. This whole universe has no measure. That is, what is the size of the universe? It's infinite. Let me prove the infinity, infiniteness of it to you. You've heard of the Big Bang theory. That funny theory. But let's leave, forget the Big Bang. Which my son says it is nothing, nowhere, no time, no reason. Boom. <laughs> let's forget the theory. But as a matter of fact, the universe is expanding every day. That's a scientific fact. Those days they used to think that if it started with a Big Bang... The rate of expansion should be slowing down. You understand that? You throw something, it starts slowing down with time. But it was found out a few years ago that the rate of expansion is actually increasing. You see where I'm going? That's to let you know that God, his resources are infinite. People have tried to explain. A lot of people don't believe in God because the earth is very small. If the whole universe were compressed into this hall where we are in, the earth will be too small for naked eye to see. I don't know where I get my point. If we are to proportionally compress everything, forget the earth. Our sun will be too small for the naked eye to see. And our sun is several thousand times bigger than the earth. So why are we on the earth? Some people don't believe in God, the God of Christians because the God of Christians give the impression, there are scriptures, that life is only on the earth. They said the universe is too vast. There must be life elsewhere. So they've been pursuing it. They spent, I don't maybe billions of dollars looking for signs of life outside. And I told myself they will eventually find the sign. Do you know why? Because eventually they will interpret something. But there's no life out there. There's no life out there. 
But the only life is here. So they say, okay, how come this little earth is the only important thing in this universe? I have an answer for you. That's how vast God is. To suspend this earth properly, he decided to make the universe that big. I don't know whether you are getting my point. To him is nothing. The effort to make the whole universe is not as much as to make only you. Please, let me say that again. To keep this universe the way it is, the amount of spiritual energy needed is not as much as to keep one individual like this alive. And I'm not joking about that. If you know the... What's keeping the universe, the universe, what the scientific laws keeping it, there are not many. If you know the amount inside one warm, warm. That's why Jesus doesn't understand why Christians worry. He doesn't understand it. That the sparrow, the birds that fly around and pick things from the earth, they just pick green that fell. That that food they pick is not a game of chance. Each one is allotted his food. Let me explain it to you. It's even the lion. It gets up in the evening to go and pick the food that God has kept for it. So there are times God will say the young lions hunger. They won't find anything. And they will die of starvation. That's how God is. Listen to me. God is great. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me tell you how he behaves. If he says, Banky, move, go and stay in one part of the world where there are no universities. And I say to him, how will my children go to school? You know, he will say, this is how he reasons. Okay, you want them to be in a university and you want them to be close to you. And I say, yes, sir. He said, no problem, I will build one. Because I asked, he will build a university, put 10,000 students. And nobody will ever guess. It's because I moved from Enugu to one remote part of Nigeria. And I said, I want my children to be close to me. And he will go there, take hectares and hectares of land, make a man throw in billions and billions of naira, bring lecturers, bring everything, and my children are just going to be there for a few years. And after that, after they've left, listen to me, if nobody can pray and ask for favor in that direction, and if he doesn't see any other use for it, he will shut it down. And you will look like God, no, let's get it clear. You just moved 10,000 people through this university, paid this amount on staff salaries. We counted everything, Lord. It came to 200 billion naira you spent. You are saying so that bankers' children can go to school, and there are only even two of them that were ready, that went through that university. Because, uh-huh, is it your money? <laughs> I'm telling you how your reasons. He'll just say to you, is it your money? You're like, ah, no, 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 Lord, no, we have to manage money. Now, you could have just easily sent them to any university in Nigeria or abroad, and it would have cost too much. You could even have been flying them up and down. He said, that management is your poverty problem, not mine. For me, the 200 billion I expended is not more than when I spent 20 naira. The way it feels in my system. That's how rich it is. Other day I was in Kaduna, I heard Pastor Delvan describe God again. I said, my father. I never looked at him in that direction. So let me tell you how great God is. As of now, how many billions are we on the earth? About seven billion. 
it's estimated that about the same number have lived before now. So the number of human beings have lived on this earth maybe like 15 billion. Yet no two fingerprints are the same. And it's not a game of chance. Each one is designed. Oh, you think that's great? That's not great. What you need to understand is that when snow falls, we don't see much here, but it falls like you know, cut, uh, balls of cotton wool. No two snowflakes are the same. Oh, forget that. Maybe you have to imagine it. The one that you do not realize is that these leaves around you, if you pick them aside, side by side, those lines you see on them, no two are the same in the whole world. Many of us don't realize that it's the greatness of God. You know why? Because we think it's a game of chance. There's nothing called chance on this earth. Every occurrence is decreed and commanded. As I go look and say, why do they worry? What are they worrying about? They think they can plan their future for me? Listen, our greatest assignment is to learn to relax. So Paul said, labor to enter into relax. This is where I read it. Labor to enter into his rest. Because anyone that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works. That's what Christians need. To rest. Ah! Listen, that is it. Every of things I've described about God, anytime we do experience it is because of our own belief. No, we began with that. This power of God is not manifested towards us in as much as we push our, you know, pull ourselves away from the center of his rest. And we do that a lot of times. One of the things that scared me in life, and I pray once in a while, God, please help me. It scares me in this life. I just feel like there are things that God could have used us to do, that is, me as an individual, that God could have used me to do, or don't throw me, and that my lack of relax, are you getting my point? My lack of rest and trust is the reason why he can't. Once I told my wife something, the thing entered her. Entered. I just passed a comment. I said to her, I said, you could have been much, much happier. Ha! He could, I didn't even know when I said she, It was when she quoted it for me later that I, understood, that I read, remember that I said it. That when I said that thing, the thing entered her. That all this, that's all you need to do. I would say, in returning and in rest, will you be saved? Of course, the flesh wants to go out, do this like this. I just thought, I said, relax, just listen to me. I quoted the scripture for her. I said, the Bible says, all that you have hearkened unto me, then your well-being will have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. They say, wait, well, the scripture goes like that. I said, baby, you need to relax. You'll be much happier. You know, my wife has energy. And it's a major problem in life. Those who have energy are the most difficult to bless. Do you know that? Esau was unblessable. Because he had energy. So when you have energy as a Christian, you, didn't, you have more prayer. You have to pray more. Because your energy is a problem. When God said, let's go. You, you've already taken 10 kilometers. And God said, all I said is, let's go. I didn't say, you go. I said, let us. You should be behind me. You now use faith and prayer to reverse. <laughs> Following the Lord. I personally think patience is one of the most, it, it goes with faith anyway. Because sometimes, but God will move. 
get to a point and stop. You know, you know how long it took to get to, the, to enter the promised land? 40 years. You know why it took so long? You know the, 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 the but why didn't they just get up and go to the promised land? Do you know why? God used to do something. The cloud would get to a place and stop for years. And Moses was in charge and nobody's going anywhere. I am convinced some Israelites packed and left Moses. No, no, no. They say, I beg. They parked and left. They all died, though. If you park like, live like that, you will die. But they left. Listen, let me not go into the story of Moses now. There's a reason why, no, um, Dathan, Korah, Abiram, all those people. There's a reason why they gathered against Moses. Because sometimes God just will not agree to move when you think he should move. And you, you know the motion activity. You know how to move. I'm telling you. Listen, even Jacob, the way Jacob, you no, know, Jacob was ordained for the inheritance. You know that. Yeah, he was ordained for that inheritance. But you know the way he got it was not God's will. But it was legal. So God honored it. But he said, "I need to teach you to wait." So took him to the house of Laban. And for there, he learned to wait by force. Marry a wife. Normal marriage is a few weeks. Season was seven years. At the end of the seven years, he got the wrong wife. He started again. You know, all God was teaching him? Rest. Relax. I pray we will learn how to... That's the message I have to do. For Christians to learn to relax. Many people running up and down. I'm going for prosperity in America. I'm going for prosperity. God said, listen. If, you know, I told you that one thing used to scare me. I'm afraid I don't, that I don't run away from where God said I should be. Because I realized that, listen. There's a temptation in life to move ahead of God. As if he's too slow. Many people run up and down. God said, if, I, if only I will show you the picture of what you are running away from. For what you can see in the present. You'll be angry with yourself. I'm telling you as a matter of fact. One major lesson we must all learn as believers is to learn how to wait and rest. Please go and get the different messages I've preached on how to wait for God. Waiting is, you know, is something you have to learn how to do. Waiting for God is not sitting down doing nothing. He doesn't let people do like that. How do you wait for God is simple. You look for the assignment for each day and keep yourself busy. That's how you wait for him. But the point is that you must learn to wait because he actually has planned tomorrow. He has planned tomorrow. Let me say another thing. Many people walk away from the plan and it doesn't doesn't force anybody. Oh, yes. Oh, most of us walk away from it. Most of us walk away from the plan. The fact that God gave, has a plan for your life does, mean, does not mean everything is sweet. I hope you get my point. No, 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 no. no. It doesn't mean everything is sweet. That's a mistake we make a lot of times. We think that indeed if I'm working in God's plan, everything must be sweet. God said no. It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes in the center of the plan. Okay, let's give an example. You know, one man in the Bible who nothing. There are very few that had that, apart from Jesus Christ. 
The only one that we all know that nothing, we studied his life extensively, but nothing wrong was recorded about him is Joseph. Go and read your Bible. You will see Abraham, he lied, said his wife is his sister. Isaac repeated the lie of his father. I hope I get my point. Do I need to talk about Jacob? Let's not go near Jacob. David killed Uriah, took his wife. Every, if you, most of those big men, you will see what they did wrong. One man, you will not see one thing he did wrong. One thing. And his life was thoroughly discussed. It's Joseph. Read your Bible. Not one thing recorded negative about Joseph. Yet, my brethren, his life was not easy. He was a slave and prisoner for nothing less than 13 years. Maybe longer than that. I don't know when he was exactly kidnapped by his own brothers and sold into slavery. His life was not easy. But you know what? Every step of the way, he was in the center of the will of God. Potiphar's house was God's plan for him. Prison was step, was training college, advanced training college. You know what happened is that basic training education was in Potiphar's house. When he had to do postgraduates, they put him in prison. That's a matter of fact. In fact, that's what he did his teaching practice. Internship, everything. Then when God was now ready. And listen, many of us, we don't realize that there are times God keeps people in a quiver. Yes, he, you know, there are times he hides you deliberately. But the word says that now you have to be exposed. What are you saying? Your mates have moved. In life, you have no mates. I keep on saying that thing. The age at which Joseph entered into the palace, Moses had not started anything. With all the beautiful things that were said about Joseph, Moses is still more honored. John the Baptist, by the time he was young, he was doing crusades. Jesus was still filing wood. The time John the Baptist ended was when Jesus started. You don't have any mate in this life. There are times God deliberately keeps his people in what the Bible calls his quiver. Let's read that one for you. There are two scriptures I want to read, and then we'll, we'll close it there. I'll be honest with you. The message I preached today, everything is definitely by the Spirit of God. Especially since what I wanted to preach, I've not even scratched it one bit. I want to just read out from that Psalm um, 139 and then into 23, then we'll have started talking. But it didn't work out like that. Psalm, uh, Isaiah 49. Listen to me, O islands. And pay attention, you peoples, from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named me. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has done what? Concealed me. I want you to notice that conceal. He said, he has also made me a select arrow. What's the next line? He has hidden me in his quiver. I want you to notice that. He said, I was hidden in his quiver. Please bear it in mind. God hides people. There are times he prepares a select arrow and he hides him in the quiver. No, God did me a favor many years ago. Now listen to me. This, everybody calls me Pastor Banking. I never called myself Pastor Banking. I hope you know. It was a nickname I got in university. I was a campus fellowship president. I started teaching the word of God in school. Everybody thought I would go into ministry shortly after. 
It took, how many years after? Almost 10 years. What the good Lord did for me, I read, I got the scripture long ago. But before that, when I was serving NYC, I had a dream. It's not often, I'm not the normal, I don't dream a lot. I, I dream a lot, too, but you know, useless dreams, you know, some of them. But I'm talking about serious dreams, a very, very few. That day I was dreaming one funny dream of how I think I went to Jerusalem or something. All kinds of, if you see the kind of things happening, then me and one prophet, we disagreed, and then I woke up and I said, what kind of thing is that? And I realized that David Possey was analyzing Jeremiah and Isaiah beside me while I was sleeping. I left the message playing. <laughs> so I, it was what David Possey was analyzing that I was acting out in my day. I have a lot of funny dreams like that. But this particular day, I dreamt a serious dream which could not have come from the multitude of my own activities. Basically, in the dream, let me summarize for time's sake. I just saw myself walking down, a, like Americans would say, an alley, a narrow street that had doors left and right, and I kept on trying every door, trying to get out. And I walked and walked and walked and walked. And I remember the dream very well. In fact, this man will say one of the things, you know, how you know some things are serious is that the long, no matter how long they stay, they are clear. Most other dreams fade away. That was a rejoiner. I kept on going until I got to a point I got tired. Like, God, I am tired. Then I turned, took a turn, then tried one door and the door opened. And I walked into the hall. Let me stop it there. Now, what I'm telling you the story is that when not that I had that dream, I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant. I just filed this in my brain. It was when I finished NYC and the Lord hid me in the quiver that I understood it. I've been preaching since I was in school, I left school in 91. I finally started ministry in 2001, 2002. How many years? Ten years from the time I graduated. But I had been preaching for at least two years before then. In fact, if, if you read the book, How to, How to Work for God, I tell the story of one sister who asked me, because people were concerned. Which one do you go to in Lagos? I told her. Are you actively involved? I said, I'm actively involved in listening to the pastor. God hides people, even hides businessmen in paid employment. A businessman, businesswoman that is going to do something great through. He has hidden you one small business, small job, paying you small salary. And those who don't know will tell you that, look, you, have, you are worth more than this. Get out. If you get out before the day that the law said go, destiny has been aborted. He has hidden me in the quiver. Listen, after NYC, I went to Lagos. I was in Lagos for a very long time. Before I came to Enugu. I am convinced. Listen, I know we'll keep on making progress in life, okay? But I'm convinced God said, go to Enugu. And he said, if I'd let you start this in Lagos, you'll soon make you pastor of a church. When they buy you a brand new Toyota Corolla, you, you forget your call. Are you getting my point? No, 1,000 man church in Lagos, you'll be enjoying. You won't move. So please leave this matter alone. Be reading. I used to do all my preaching, writing, because nobody would listen to me until the time came. That dream I told you about is the reason why I was calm. As the years were passing, the dream was making sense. As the years were passing, the dream was making sense. What I'm going to emphasize, God keeps people in a quiver. What you need to do anytime you're in a quiver, it looks like nothing is moving, 
go and sit down and be searching your ways. Make sure you are doing what is right. After you have been convinced through analysis, through talking to people, through hearing the word of God that you are doing what is right, then relax and learn to manage your life. The ability to manage is one skill we almost learn. It's a skill we almost learn. Many people don't learn the skill. It's where they ju- that's why they jump away from where they are supposed to be before the time they are supposed to get there. That's one. Me- me- that, that's that's it. They tell you, if you leave and go here, this money they are paying you, they will increase it tenfold. The real thing about life is the satisfaction of the soul. We have power failure in my area, of course, just like all of us. We all have power failure. There's not a big deal about it. We did have life for almost 48 hours in my house until this afternoon. And by the time we leave, it has even gone off again. But you know, I've never felt anybody in any part of the world lives better than me. And I'm not joking about it. My car can be old as long as it gets me to where I'm going. Those is one I'll be coming from Winners Temple in Lagos. I enjoyed entering Molwe. Do you know why? I said, the breeze is so, you're so good. Really. Satisfaction is inside your soul. It's not what you have. That is a matter of fact. You can learn to manage and enjoy your life very well. I'm not going to teach the details of how to manage now, but please, learning to manage is one method by which we stay where God kept you. I'm feeling so prophetic this evening. Because I feel what I'm teaching is for people need to hear this. And I feel that there are certain people that God sent here this evening to hear exactly this message. That is why I have not been able to preach at all what, we ha- what I have had planned for today. A lot of people are restless. And that's because of poor teaching. Wrong standards set in front of them. They keep on quoting for you that Mark Zuckerberg was a billionaire before he turned 30. Forgetting that most people are dead before they are 32. What's the big deal? You make it look like Mark Zuckerberg knows how to make it another billion. Before it's 30, nobody knows how to do it. Nobody. Time and chance happens to all men. Let's read on that scripture. Like I said, I'm going to read two and then we'll close. I think it's also Isaiah that says that. To let you know that the people of God, sometimes things don't work for them. They are kept in the quiver. That's the way to say it. Isaiah chapter 50. Just the next chapter. Let me just start from verse um, from verse seven. We'll read up to the end of the chapter. So for the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I'll set my face like flint. I have a direction, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. He said, Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Behold, they will all wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant? Now notice this. This is where I wanted us to get to. Who is among you who fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant? But, listen to the next line. Yet he walks in darkness. He said that walks in darkness and has no light. What he means is that things are not working properly for the fellow. He seems to be on one spot. He's not moving forward. He said, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Some will not do that. They make their own way. Verse 11. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who will encircle yourselves with firebrands, Walk in the light of your own fire. 
and among the brands you have set ablaze. But know this, this you will have from my hand, you will lie down in torment. Anytime the world shakes us, makes us get up, hurry, produce things, how you will know you are using hurry, is God always puts a check. He will make you do what is not right to move to the next level. Said, so this is what you are going to get from my hand. You will lie down in what? In torment. Sometimes God keeps Christians waiting. Today, today is not the gospel of God. Ozubu, ozubu. Yenzu, yenzu. Forget that thing. That's not faith. Faith is not horrid. The Bible says, he that believes does not make haste. He learns to wait. How do you know the time of God has come? I'll tell you. This is one thing you watch out for. The same effort you use to get one result in the same spot. You put the same effort, it gives you a hundred. Then you know the crop has permitted. I hope you're getting my point. The time of harvest is known by the ease. It, not, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean there's no effort. The time of harvest is known by the ease with which results follow the effort. Because he that watches the wind will not sow. He that observes the cloud will not reap. That tells you that both the person sowing and the person reaping, they have work to do. But the difference is that when it's your harvest season, things work easily. If you have been proving faithful on, on, in a particular thing, if you have to change direction by yourself all of a sudden, then you are living in a hurry. You are leaving the place before the timing of God. God has kept you faithful in something for a long time. What he does is that when the time comes, that same faithfulness is used to elevate you from that level to another level. I hope you are getting my point. I always find it funny. When somebody will leave Nigeria and go to another country, and somebody will start learning a business he has never done before. I, I, I said, no, something is wrong. That your movement, has, it has comma inside all the labor you have had labor for, yet God couldn't use that to promote you. You will never drive taxi in Nigeria, but you are an Uber driver in New York. Do you know God didn't send you? I don't feel like telling somebody that. Hey, by the way, you that want to run to America by next week, and you have no plans, that nothing is waiting for you there. What I mean, what you are doing is not as if God, okay, you are doing this work here, a new job now open to blow you to another level. You want to go there, hang around New York, and eventually you learn to shine you. Just know that this thing you see, all those girls who were deceiving those days, the, the, the curse they cause you is what is pushing to America next week. Take that plane, your destiny has gone. Hear what I said? Better go and tear that rubbish visa. You don't need it. And of course, I'm trying to tell you to get yourself out of poverty. You want to not marry a non-believer. Like they say, Ma, let, let, let me not tell you what I wanted to say. But that is foolishness. You will not get any doubt. You will cry for, for years. You will not find deliverance. Let the man come and steal your destiny because he has money. You know Jesus died for you. So he now comes to church. <laughs> so you think he'll go to the mosque before. Does he not know you're a Christian girl? But you know now. You're not marrying him because of any other thing. More than that's the end of poverty. That is the end of financial poverty. The beginning of spiritual torment. Before you start looking for valium every night to sleep. Marriage is not always better than being single. And poverty, materially speaking, is not always worse than... Do you get my point? Sometimes, you must understand it. Having no money means there's no half headache. 
Nobody calls you. You don't have to block anybody in your number. Sometimes I wonder, how does that go to manage you? Because all these ladies are here. <laughs> yes, you're not, it doesn't mean, it. look, it doesn't mean, it. it just means you don't have too much trouble. And there's no need to owe anybody. If you can't buy your own shirt, go and meet somebody and say, boy, this shirt you are wearing, when you finish wearing your portion, give me, give me. Some people are suffering because of pride. What am I going to say? We learn to manage, learn to wait. And don't jump on every plane that flies to a foreign country. Some of them are flying to hellfire. <laughs> I'm not kidding about it, though. I saw one woman who I couldn't believe it. She was giving a lecture naked. Some of you may have seen the video. Stuck naked. Ah, so actually, my classmates share videos. I don't, most of the videos, once the video is more than one megabyte, I don't even look at it. I don't have time to be downloading. They will say 48, 48 megabyte video. Ah, wait, is it the person preaching? I almost, uh, this one, so, a friend of mine in the UK began to comment. So I said, this thing must be, so I now went back to the video and clicked on it. Ah! This woman stood in front of a lecture hall like this, stuck naked, and I was giving a lecture on Brexit. And they called it the naked truth. And guess what she is? She's a PhD holder and a lecturer in Cambridge. I told my friend, I said, the whole society is mad, because you see, if you cannot see this is madness, all of you are crazy. <laughs> and the same people who carry Bible now and say an angel spoke to you, they will carry it to a psychiatrist. Yet they see a mad woman on the stage and they don't catch him. They now give you a visa to that country and you say, Praise God. Though. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. What is praise God in it? Tell your neighbor, relax. Yes. Tell your dad, neighbor, relax. Say God's plan for you, plan for you. Is, greater than you can imagine. is greater than you can imagine. Let's give a little thanks. That's all. Today, that's what I came to say. We'll preach my message, that message next week. Just say God's plan for you is greater than you can imagine. God's plan for you is greater than you can imagine. It's greater. His thoughts for you. Give him thanks for that. Say, Lord, I thank you because you have thoughts for me. Ask him, say, Lord, anything that would take me away from your plan, please, you help me remove it. Every temptation, Lord, help me remove it. Every distraction, Lord, help me remove it. Help me to wait for you. Help me, help me. Help me, help me. If your glory does not move, I will not move. If the cloud doesn't move, I will not move. I declare with my mouth, make it happen in my life. Say, Lord, help me. Say, Lord, help me. Say, Lord, help me to wait till my destiny, the one you ordained, manifests. The one you ordained. The one you ordained. Say, help me, Lord, to wait till that destiny that you ordained manifests. Help me. Let me not depart from where you kept me. So that when you return, you'll be looking for, where is he? Where is he? Where is she? God got to where Adam was supposed to be. Say, Adam, where are you? Adam had moved. Say, Lord, let me not be found wanting. Let me not be found where I'm not supposed to be. Say, Lord, everywhere that I have disappointed in the past, left before I was supposed to leave, help me to trace my steps back to where I'm supposed to be. Help me. Lord, destroy pride. Remove pride. Remove pride. Help me to manage. 
Help me to manage when I need to. Help me to live my life in the manner that is pleasing to you. Say, the righteousness of your testimony, Lord, is everlasting. Give me understanding and I will live. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Let's ask our feet. Let's go home. All right? If you are blessed today, give me an amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus, it is well with you. Amen. As you depart from here, any ailment that came with you will not follow you back home. Amen. Whether it's in the skin or in the bone marrow, we decree the healing power of God to hit your body and create total wellness in you because Jesus paid for it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every disturbance of the mind, if you are hearing voices, whatever it is, we speak to it now. And we command it to cease in the name of Jesus. Amen. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Soundness of mind returns to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you left a loved one at home sick, please listen to these words. Do this once you go home. Get home, place your hands on the person. Say, I'm coming from the presence of the word of God. And I've come with the anointing of Jesus Christ. Say those words. And say to the body, say, this body receive healing in the name of Jesus. And the person will get well. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we decree that. Amen. It is a season of the manifestation of the power of God in our lives. Amen. Supernatural supply is coming from somebody. Amen. Yes, you will not see rain. You won't hear wind. But the valley will be full of water. Amen. And that will happen to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will find needs supernaturally met. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God will cancel the debts of somebody. Amen. Yes, you are owing somebody, you are owing something, your business is not doing well, but God will eradicate those debts for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are different ways he will do it, but he will do it for somebody here. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, people scare you. Headsmen attack, headsmen attack, headsmen attack. Let me tell you. Your own headsmen are angels. They keep watch over you. And for that reason, I decree, no evil will befall you. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus Christ. I let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the life of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.